We've got a PW Torch VIP sale going on this month. If you are interested in becoming a VIP member, you can get $6 off any subscription. That brings a one-month sub down to 4 bucks, And you can listen to our AEW Revolution post-event roundtable. Todd Martin, Rich Fan, and I discuss the event for about an hour right after the show ended exclusively for VIP members. You also will get the WrestleMania post-show roundtables following night one and night two at the beginning of next month as part of that deal. And you get everything in between. I have brought back the Ask the Editor version of the Wade Keller hotline. The last two Wednesdays, we've dropped that with me responding with long-form answers to a wide array of topics. And the Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE insider news updates with my expanded analysis have also been brought back more frequently lately, including breakdowns of minute-by-minute numbers for Dynamite and SmackDown in two recent updates. And also behind-the-scenes news on Bray Wyatt and how he's being written and by whom, and other exclusive backstage notes and insights. We also are running our 18 Years Ago podcast series on the nearly 18th anniversary of podcasts when they were originally published back in 2005. We feature them on the PW Torch VIP podcast feed. This includes our post-pay-per-view roundtables and also Wade Keller hotlines with a ton of insider news. And right now, this week, we are running a series of podcasts detailing with incredible behind-the-scenes details, sometimes excruciating details, on what was going on with Edge, Lita, and Matt Hardy in that uh, kind of love triangle controversy of 2005 that uh, changed the course of, of several careers. At the time, I reported a ton of details on how the locker room was reacting to them, uh, how Vince McMahon, if he was involved, because Vince was actually away with his injury at that time, uh, if he was involved, and just uh, the, the ups and downs and the drama of everything that, that blew up behind the scenes there. It's also the beginning, 18 years ago, of John Cena and Batista's push, and there's a lot of fun analysis of what we thought of them at the beginning of their upward trajectory. I could go on. There's just so many great VIP exclusive features. You get these shows ad-free and plug-free, and you get access to our ad-free Lightning Fast VIP website with all the content that's on the free site, plus bonus content, including the roundtable reviews in written format from the Torch staff of AEW Revolution. We'll be doing that for WrestleMania coming up also, plus exclusive columns and more. So go VIP, pwtorch.com slash go VIP. The coupon code to get $6 off, and you can apply that $6 coupon to a one-month, a three-month, or a one-year sub. But again, that brings a one-month sub down to $4 for everything I just mentioned and more. The coupon code is MARCH23. MARCH23. Enter that when you sign up at pwtorch.com slash govip. And yes, we are compatible with the Apple Podcasts app. When you sign up, you'll get an email and you click on that link and it authorizes you. No advanced settings, no passwords, nothing complicated. And we are compatible with many other podcast apps in a similar way. PWTorch.com slash GoVIP, March 23. Good time to go VIP. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. For the week of Monday, May thir- May 13th, excuse me, 2023. As always, I am your host, Robert Vajos, and I'm joined this week by the empathetic Rick Monsu. 
Rick, how's it going? You're doing pretty good. How are you doing today, Robert? Oh, it's a fine Sunday morning. I got the week off of work coming up. UFC last night, UFC coming up, lots of wrestling. What a fantastic mood, Rick. Is it spring break coming up? Why do you have the week yeah, off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You, you going to go to Mexico? And all uh, the areas that they're saying we shouldn't go right now because of no, the kidnappings? No. So last year, I did go I did go on a, on a trek on my own to Phoenix for my spring break, a sort of a personal yeah. journey. Uh, but this year, my kids have the same spring break as I do, so I don't get to... <laughs> I don't get to go find myself this year. No. So you guys are all just going to go Cancun? Uh, yeah, yeah, all, all of us. Yeah, that's it. I, we got the family package. Uh, to God, could you imagine your kids being more horrified like than their dad going to Cancun with them? I know they're. That's not going to happen. But wouldn't it be funny? Like if like kids are going on their big spring break trip and dad's like, okay. Everybody got their bags packed. Like, that, that, go, guys. The the more realistic one, if like this week, I'm like, all right, guys, we're all going to Vegas. Yeah. would be like, uh, what? Yeah, you guys stay in the hotel room. Me and mommy are going to go gamble everything yeah. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There won't be a house. Say goodbye to all the things in the house because they'll get repossessed on the way home. Yeah. Um, Real fast it, before you go but, into it, that's my favorite thing to see in Vegas. Okay. I think I've said this before. When I roll in, is that guy. He's always like, looks like he's not homeless. Like he clearly had money, but he's sitting at the edge of a casino outside where you get picked up for the valet outside of the entrance but still within the proximity of the property you know he's just sitting on the sidewalk hands in on his knees possibly not even with a cell phone depending on how bad it got but he's just sitting there and it's always like 11 o'clock in the morning Mm. and he's been there all night and he Mm. just stepped out and he's like what did i just do (laughs) i always see that guy when i'm pulling in i'm like okay don't be that guy I, 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 the equivalent for that for me in Vegas is the, the guy that clearly was gambling at a nicer place that is now gambling at the place that I'm at. And then, like they have, they've had He's to level down. They've had yeah. to level down. Yes. That is, that is one of my favorite versions of, uh, of that guy. If you have any gambling addictions you would like to share with us, MMA livecast at gmail.com. MMA L I V E C A S T at gmail.com. You can also talk to us about pro wrestling, MMA, boxing, uh, but but gambling addiction stories, we definitely want to hear from you on that. All right, Rick, let's uh, let's get into it. We had ourselves a, a nice little tidy early fight night yesterday. Uh, Rick, I got to say, I'm focusing mostly on the main card here, though, but I, I thought that was an extremely watchable fight night. I loved the environment. It was one of the coolest environments um, in a while at the mm-hmm. theater at Virginia Hotels. It just reminded you of like a tough finale is, is the vibe that I got from in there. It was a perfect, uh, I would say, melding of what we have now in the UFC, where we have these just sterile Apex cards. And then yeah. you have these pay-per-views, which are in these big arenas with these like extra enthusiastic crowds. This was kind of a nice like in-between that we don't really get in, in modern UFC. The theater at Virgin Hotels Las Vegas, but we used to know it as The Joint, as they said in the broadcast. Mm-hmm. And they have housed a lot of various shows and promotions and i actually watched that's where i think my world series of fighting championship match happened with berkman and fitch i think that's where i saw it at and it is just a fun little intimate venue and it sounded really good when the main card was on and i'm glad they decided to do that now keep in mind the only reason they did this is because the slap championship pay-per-view on rumble had to happen at the apex so they're like well let's just have this go over to the joint but I think they should do this more often. Just mm-hmm. the joint could be a satellite X apex center, especially if they have other stuff going on. I'm a huge fan of that. Or just bring it on over to Los Angeles or something like that too. If you got a fight night like this, just bring it into a smaller venue. Let's do it. 
Yeah, and I thought, that, like I said, it's a happy medium, I think, too. Because we've talked about in the past, there is some, I think, aesthetic value in having the fight nights look a little different than the pay-per-views. Because in, like, the Fox era, I think every event was indistinguishable. The The pay-per-view just looked like the, the fight night. Um, and in this era, the fight night looks like so low rent compared to the pay-per-view. I think that a place like this is a nice uh, a nice happy medium. I know some people were commenting that it like looked low rent and I'm like, "Well, I mean, most weeks we're that's watching That's what I liked about it though. Yes, exactly. And most weeks it had it had character. Most weeks we're watching something that's happening literally in a gym. That looks more like a TV studio what normally happens on uh on the normal the normal Apex Center card. So I was well, very much into this venue. Go ahead. They were even commentators were even talking about how the fans, how the arena is, they were almost on top of the the octagon like mm-hmm. how it just kind of like a glass bowl. And I, I think that's pretty cool. And it kind of, if you want to say it's low rent, good. I'm a fan of ECW back in the day. Like I like things that look different. There and, was a Hammerstein feel to it too, right? With that second floor. Did you really get was. that vibe? Yeah. yeah. They're, they're just, sometimes it's nice to have things look a little edgy and they're so, like you were saying, everything's so polished with the UFC on occasion. Mm-hmm. It is good to differentiate itself. And if this is the only time they have a, a fight night there then it was kind of a it definitely added to the atmosphere so did mm-hmm. the fans mm-hmm. your plane's leaving rick you might want to catch i know too. i was trying to cut my sentence off before it got too high but i have to leave the window open now to get my really good cell reception so it is what it is deal with it <laughs> Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. Uh, let's deal with this main event here, Rick, because this was a uh, a pretty uh, well-contested main event for one that had 50-45s across the board. And you had Marab, Davalashvi. I'm going to do as good a job as DC did on that, so we're just going to call him Marab for the rest of this podcast. He defeated Pyotr Jan. Like I said, unanimous decision, 50-45s. You could see Jan wearing it on his face late in the fight with the... Uh, the welts on the side of his head. This was a big win for Marab, like a huge win. It was very much a legitimizing win for him. As they mentioned on the broadcast, yes, he had the win over Aldo, but it wasn't particularly convincing, nor it was like the best version of Aldo. He needed right here to establish himself in the division. Now, I think that's the more interesting part is the fallout from this fight because you have Marab now with the claim at a title shot. However, the current champion as of right now today is teammate and coach Aljamain Sterling. And the, the two have sort of dedicated themselves to not fight each other. Um, not, not that dissimilar to like DC and Cain Velasquez back in the day. So you have that situation. You do also have a fight 
that Aljo has coming up with the returning Henry Seguro. So that's going to happen. And the, on the broadcast, they also mentioned Shigeru Sean O'Malley might be the next guy in line for the fight. So Marab is going to wait a two-fight cycle to take his title shot. A, Rick, do you feel like this is a good idea? And B, uh, more importantly, should should they just forgo the uh, the teammate thing just to, to get it in because of that window? I I think that it's probably not a good idea for him personally to be for Marab to be taking staying busy fights, especially because he fights in a style where he doesn't get these first round knockouts or anything like that. Like every fight he's in, and at this point on, he's probably going to be in main events of fight nights. They're tough. Like they, they, I'm sure that even though he didn't take a lot of damage, he's still taking some punches and you're that life battery that we all got in us a little bit's being taken away with each time you step in that octagon. So you want to maximize every fight you can. And the UFC is most likely not going to give him a top contender right now because it's just a staying busy fight. Like I said, so he's probably going to get someone on the high end of the top 10 or even in the top 15, if he insists on not fighting for the title until something happens with Aljamain Sterling. With that being said, though, if Aljamain Sterling loses against Cejudo and moves up anyways, then he's really not waiting that long. He's just waiting for P- Patreon, or I'm sorry, Sean O'Malley to get his shot. And if he wants to stay busy, there are people that he can fight in the bantamweight division, just a little higher up, but it is a risk. But he's willing to risk that for the friendship and I usually am not a huge fan of that, but uh-huh. I'm not a fan of it when the, there's not a clear outcome with the champion just going to be the champion, and he's just got this friend basically knocking off contenders for him. It's kind of like a Tito, Tito and Chuck, Chuck Liddell yeah. thing. Yeah. But with Aljermaine saying he's going to go up, then at least there is an outcome. And mm. I'm also not like banging down the door to see Marab as the champion either. Like right. I, I enjoyed this fight versus Pichiyan. There's something to be said about watching someone just implement a plan, having it be an entertaining, grueling fight. The difference between this fight and the Aldo thing was Aldo wasn't able to really do anything. At least Jan was able to put up some defense and some offense here and there. And Jan is a much more formidable formidable foe and so it made for a more entertaining fight and it was just amazing how marab could keep it going for five rounds and keep up that endurance all that but would i want to see this in every title defense or title match no not really at all yeah i kind of like it where he's at right now right and and to to that point like the other two contenders are just kind of much more interesting right now um as far as the guys that he would have to jump in a line um, but as you said too, it it may be irrelevant if Aljo moves up, and that and in that case, it is kind of analogous more towards the the DC Velasquez situation where there was just you know let's let's go our separate ways, um, and and figure it out figure it out from there. Um, I did uh, I did enjoy side note I did enjoy the coaching. I I've told you before I don't always like when the uh, the New York crew is mm-hmm. in the corner because I just hear Matt Sarah <laughs> his thick accent the whole time. I thought, man, Ray Longo was running a hell of a corner there, giving everyone their time to talk and, and what they were doing. I just thought that was so interesting the way that played out. Because isn't it so scattered? Doesn't it feel like usually in the corner? Like the guys yeah. in the back are just screaming stuff and like nobody's listening to them. Man, this was a surgical the way the way he was running his corner. They did really well. I, I agree with Paul Felder, though. I wish that Marab would have been able to still throw in some kicks at Jan's left leg, but mm. maybe that just was not something as interesting 
undoing because he thought Jan could take advantage and take him down or something like that. But that's the only thing I wish advice wise they would have given him. But yeah, no other. It just seemed very controlled. It kind of reminded me of a Greg Jackson corner, mm -hmm. which I think that's that's Jackson's big strength on fight night is like you know when you see him talking to John Jones, you know. Jonathan, I need you to, you know, he's just like, he talks to almost like a yeah. child and it's, it's not that he's being patronizing. It's just, a, you know, how much are you going to understand in the middle of a fight? You know, side note, when's, when we saw Mike Winkle, John in, in the corner of John Jones, that was Winkle John, right? Yeah. When is the last time we saw him or Greg Jackson in anybody's corner? Uh, it's yeah, it's been a while. Um, what the it, hell weren't they like the, the thing a while yeah, ago? Well, that's been remember it, they kind of. I would say got exposed a little bit with the uh, the Cerrone stuff. Remember? Yeah, yeah. And, that, and 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 so the the allegation has been, you've got John Jones and Holly Holm, these two very famous, you know, very lucrative fighters, and they kind of don't focus on anyone else. And that seems to be the uh, the charge going towards uh, Jackson right now. That they're that's kind of it's Ooh. the house it's the house of those two, um, and those two have Ooh. like you know the the specialist to treat. Which I get it in one sense; those are their star athletes. Um, yeah, that make them a lot of money. Uh, but they used to just be, they used to just kind of be MMA as far yeah. as coaching goes, uh, you know, and they're not, they're not, I feel like we see the other, like, like, again, I feel like I see Ray Longo and Matt Sarah and Aljo and those guys a lot more um, than, than, you know, you see, you see some of these other guys and, you know, Matt Brown, Mark Henry, all those guys are just a little more, uh, a little more present these days. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I could actually turn this around to something I was thinking about with Marab. Speaking of Greg Jansen, Jackson, Mike Wilkins, and all those guys, remember when they got their hands on Clay Guida and they turned him into a boring fighter for one fight, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So before that, Clay Guida was the guy who would just wrestle you relentlessly and just throw him punches and just be nonstop. I think Marab has a little Guida style in him in the sense where he's just nonstop Velcro on you, mm. trying to take you down, except he's a more successful version of it. Is he more exciting? Probably not. I think Guida definitely was a little bit more reckless and throwing out hazard to the, throwing hazard out the wind, throwing uh, caution out the window. There we go. There you go. Whoa. All right. right. Woof, got it. Um, but Marab is, he's from that ilk but it's mm -hmm. still it can be boring like we saw with mm -hmm. aldo but it also can be interesting like we saw in this main event i think the real story i mean rob is kind of a placeholder at this point as far as his status in the band and weight division goes i think what the real story is pitcher yawn mm -hmm. what the hell happened to this guy yeah like the most unbeatable guy for a little while and then yeah and then here we are uh, we talked about it last week it like it doesn't feel like he's a guy at a three fight losing streak right like his reputation does not feel like he's in that bit of, of disrepair, uh, but it is. And now granted he's, he's lost to the top guys, but as much like as fun as bantamweight kind of is right now, it, I still don't think of it as an exactly a murderous row, but mm -hmm. for context, you know, he, he loses to, to Aljo with the illegal knee. And that one, uh, that's a difficult one to really take as a loss. He beat Sanhagen, like, you know, the other guy in the orbit that we're talking about, he beat Sanhagen. Then he loses the split to Aljo in that other really awkward fight. Loses the split to Sean O'Malley, and then loses here to Marab. So I, I could see from his from his point of view of like, hey, like I'm right there. It just I'm just on the bad end of these split decisions, and then now I got, had a legitimate well, loss. So you guys start knocking fools out like you did in 2020, almost three years ago against Jose Aldo. Like that's mm -hmm. how, and that's when we were all on the bag wagon. He like head kicked Uriah Faber. Mm -hmm. He knocked out Jose Aldo. We're like, oh, this guy's a murderer. And then he did the illegal knee, like you said, and won a decision, then decision, decision, decision. Out of the last five fights he's had since 2021, he's lost four of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that, that's know? not a profile of a fighter with surging momentum. Well, obviously not, but even like that—that's the profile of a fighter that doesn't have it anymore. And I don't know that to be the case. Like, I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't say that. But that, if you take the um, the sort of your eyes out of it, that's what it looks like. Are you a nostalgic wrestling fan? Do you want to hear about shows you haven't seen in 10, 20, maybe even 30 years? Well, I have the show for you. I'm PWTorch.com contributor Frank Pettiani, and since December of 2020, I've hosted Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Together with a rotating chair of co-hosts, we go back and review old shows from top to bottom, talk about where the wrestlers were at the time, and compare what's taking place now to what took place then. You can hear this, along with other shows, as part of your PWTorch VIP membership with exclusive podcasts just for members compatible with the Apple Podcast app. Visit pwtorch.com slash go VIP for details and sign up for them. You know what fight I'd love to see him in, and this has nothing to do with whether or not this makes sense, but I'd love mm-hmm. to see him versus Dominic Cruz. That'd be okay. a good fight. Make that a main event of a fight night somewhere. Keith, Keith Peterson refereeing. Yeah. 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 That'd be good. Like, I would like to see that. But, you know, he'll probably be fine. He's, he's number two, and I'm yeah. sure he, he just fought number three. So he'll probably fall in the rankings a bit, but just put it together. He just needs to start knocking people out, but it's hard to do that when you're fighting the best of the best, especially yeah. when you're fighting wrestlers. So that's the, that's kind of the flip side of what you're saying about, about Mirab. You know what I mean? Whereas it may be, it may be really dicey for him to take other fights just because of how tight that division is right now to really mess things up. At the same time, I think like Jan's predicament is the argument for like the boxing style tuna fight th- that we just don't do in MMA. Like it feels like Jan just needs to fight a can right now, get a good win, you know, get back on track and then, and then figure out where we're going. We just, we don't have those in MMA as often. So um, the, the path will be to keep fighting really good fighters until he can get himself back on track. Who would be a can for him to fight, but still be within the top fifteen? I'm kind of looking at this. Oh, that's a good, that's a good exercise. You know, it's funny. I heard MMA Junkie propose that Marab should fight Umar Nurmagomedov, which mm-hmm. I think would be a good fight. You know, he Yadong Song. That would be if he's number eight. Like that would be yeah. something. Not Jack that, Shore. That. Have him fight Jack Shore. There we go. <laughs> That'd be a good fight. I say not a, not a, a song you Dong, not exactly a can. Um, no, I mean Dominic Cruz. What actually we're booking Dominic Cruz all over the place here. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that I be, mean yeah. Dominic Cruz has name value and all that, so just yeah. book that fight. But a really good main event. Uh, the crowd was into it. They didn't. Yeah, it was. It, it was that that kind of compelling main event. That wasn't like this is not a fight of the year or anything like that. But hmm. I, 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 if I knew the results, I probably wouldn't find it as interesting. But just watching it, it was just you know. It's pretty much what I thought it would be. And it's funny, too, because I was watching this fight, and I was like, I'm really mad, but also really glad I don't live in Las Vegas. or any. I'm glad that they didn't pass that sports betting uh, law in Los Angeles. It got shut down. I was really upset about it at first, because either they're going to allow online betting in California, or they're mm-hmm. going to let the Indian casinos take control of it. So it was one or the other, and we voted to have neither. Uh-huh. And I was, so I was pissed. But now that I think about it, I'm so glad that it didn't pass because I would have definitely bet on Marab. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I like I like how you know the, the law is keeping you. Uh, it, it's keeping actually kinda, me with my money, kind of kind of serving its purpose, <laughs> keeping yeah. devices uh, to a minimum. So you can't you can't sports bet 
in any fashion in California then, huh? Mm-mm. No, it's illegal. Yeah, see, because so, we have we have it here. Like we don't have it here legally. Like I can't do like the DraftKings and the FanDuel sports betting, but I can go to the, the casino, like you're saying, um, and you know, drop drop a little money. It's, uh, you, little so money. you can sports book. You can. Yeah. Well, we and we have so many reservations out here as well. Uh, so on the on the on the casinos on the reservations. Yeah, we can't yeah. even do that. The only thing we can bet on is uh, horse racing. Horses, which, yeah. You know, to, now, about. to be fair to you guys in LA, though, it's not that far of a drive to get to Nevada where you can just bet anywhere. But I would like, like, sometimes I am jealous. Like, when I'm listening to sports podcasts and they're talking about their parlays, you know, frivolous parlays on like yeah, games. Like I, so I kind of wish I could do it from the comfort of my own home. At the same time, and I hate to be such a Baptist about it, I am somewhat uncomfortable <laughs> with the normalization of gambling. Of sports betting, even though I like sports betting and I think it's it's such a yeah. part of sports, I don't know if it's because it's just been ingrained in me that that was like the number one sin in sports. So it's weird to see leagues and teams embracing it. Also, I feel like that's that's a rabbit hole. Like someone like me could just really be susceptible toward, and maybe maybe there does need to be a bit of work that needs to go into it, uh, than just to be able to get it off your phone and just you know. Could you imagine if WWE allows if they get that that Did betting you see that thing? story? Yeah, that, that's going to <laughs> you're going to introduce something to a fan base that really does not watch sports. I feel like most wrestling fans are not really football fans. Like I'd like to see a diagram, but I feel like they're into what they're into, which is wrestling, and then that offshoots the comic books. Or not that they're all quote unquote nerds because I am, but. I feel like wrestling, unlike any other sport, does not like lend itself to enjoy other sports. And you can like football, like you yourself watch basketball, football. There are those fans, but I think there are some fans who are just wrestling fans. I I and, don't know. I, I I would be because like it's still the easiest way to get heat in a in an arena is, you know, your team lost last week. Yeah, but that's because <laughs> because that's because they're in that area. I just my point is is that you're introducing a element of betting into mm. a very big fan base that probably doesn't have a lot of experience in it, especially zero experience in betting on wrestling. So I, I the moral of the story is I, I just would like to see the normalization like you're talking about, what happened five years from now, if they look back at it, were the stories that we're not hearing of people lose, with this economy and everything mm-hmm. losing everything. Yeah. No, and, I, and I, it's weird because I'm, I am normally, I default on the side of like let people enjoy their vices. That's yes. that's, that's my default. And I, I feel like that, I feel that way with gambling also, but it's the one I feel the least strongest about. Like, I don't care what substances you put in your body. I don't care who you're having relations with as long as they're consent. I don't care about any of that stuff. I do feel like, you know, you can really bring ruin to a person in a very unique way through uh, through gambling. Well, uh, but then you could say the same just about casinos in general. You're like, you feed true, these people true. alcohol, you know. Yeah, no, and it's, and it's weird because, I, like I said, I don't want to be a Baptist about it. Um, but I, I think I wanna that, go, this whole conversation has really made me want to go to Vegas. I, I think it's well, I, it, well, and that's why I think it's about the scale, though, too. Right. Because it's the it's like anything. Um, it's how we can access these things and how these things are, are accessible, because, you know, even with my situation here, it's still it's still a 20 minute drive for me to go to that place to place that bet. So there's still like a layer versus where it when it's just instant in your hand. And that money feels like not real. You know, when you buy stuff online, you don't realize how much money you spend versus like when you go out with cash and you're very much yeah. more measured. Yeah. It's just, uh, 
I don't know. What, is there any other Pur- puritanical, uh, you know, sides I can come down on while I'm at I it? I know. But now you're making me want to bet in th- on Anthony Joshua's fight coming up. And oh, there that you go. is part yeah. of a parlay. Like, yeah. put some money down on the payment. I, I, I say that. I say all the things I just said. And then I'll, now if DraftKings wants to sponsor us next week, I'll be here. Promo code. Yeah. May talk. I, <laughs> I hear it's great. I can't do anything with it, but... Um. Okay, let's move on to the co-made event. Rick, I'm sure you were very happy that Alexander Volkov just got the fight done quickly with Alexander Romanov. I'm sure you were you were dreading this fight, Rick. I can, I really I can was. feel the sweat coming down from you. And, and I wasn't sweating as much as Romanov after that failed takedown, well, though. You know, My God. Yeah. Well, he's, he's having himself a pretty jiggly night. Big old boy. Uh, all yeah. the way around. And, and we're Volkov, into body shaming, folks. Because... Volkov always looks tiny. Volkov's a huge person. He Huge. looks tidy though, always next to these other heavyweights, just because he's in shape. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's all that that is. He's got really big legs and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just it feels like his appendages from like waist up just start to. They're still long and big, but they're just it not. Feels like he should be bigger though, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think some of it has to do with his face and his head. Like he just his yeah. body's just massive. He doesn't have for, for such a big guy. He doesn't have. He just got looks like a normal guy. Right. It's a little bit different than like we saw last week with with Jones, where like Jones has the frame of a heavyweight. Even I don't think he necessarily had the body, but that's you know the frame and length and all that. Volt Romanov just was Romanov had one of those performances where he probably could get cut uh-huh. just for that performance because he just got squashed by Volkov and. With Volk, this win for Volkov, let's go look at the heavyweight division. Let's go look at the heavyweight. Okay, he's number eight right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he kind of stays there. You know, I, yeah. I guess he could go against. It's tied to Avas is probably his best opponent to come up. He can kind of have a a revenge fight like he against Derek Lewis, but with in the embodiment tied to Avasa, just another heavy striker. Um, I I like heavyweight. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm I'm a yeah, fan of heavyweight right now. Like they, they, I, I, they have we, a lot of colorful characters. That upper crust, like I still and I, and again, it's weird because now we have a new champ. But like I feel, it, and Engano's not there no. But there was like Engano and Stipe, and even gone to an extent. And now Jones, like those guys were kind of a little bit too much better than the rest of them, and so the other guys felt irrelevant. But now I feel like that's thinned out a little bit. Maybe with Engano uh, leaving and the uncertainty a, a little bit with Jones as champion, that we have a nice little, nice little upper crust of guys that are that are just really consistent and mm-hmm. and like you said, like kind of some colorful characters. And there, there's always the there's always the danger in the heavyweight fights that we're going to get the dreaded fifteen or twenty five. But uh, but Vol- Volkov spared us last night. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. 
Um, Rick, I didn't realize the the main event from a couple weeks ago got rebooked. Neither did I. I, I, I. If you got ten people who were excited about this fight night three days before it happened, I guess I bet you only one of them knew that this fight was on there. It went from the main event a couple weeks ago to just being on this card, and mm. it was a nice little surprise. It was. It was. It, it felt bigger than it would have felt in that main event because it was. It felt like, oh, cool, we're getting a main event in the middle of the card here. Yeah, uh, and it's funny get. too because uh, I didn't really tell the weigh-ins. I was like, oh. Uh. Well, and to it, yeah, it was like, wait a minute, this fight, like, wait, did did they fight? Is this a rematch? What, you know, sometimes my brain doesn't quite process things in the, in the quickest of fashions here. But we do have it, uh, Nikita Krylov getting the win, the triangle choke submission over Ryan Span. This was plenty of action in this short little uh, little time frame that this fight uh, occurred in. It was also uh, one of the most respectable uh, post fight situations. When like they're going yeah. back and forth in the trading, and then Span taps and just shakes his hand and kind of bows to him. You know, there wasn't this uh, all these histrionics that you normally see when a when a fight is stopped. Span's probably just really frustrated at himself because he finally got out of the whole grappling exchange, and he just throws that trying to get that ground and pound in between mm-hmm. Krolov's legs, and like if he would have just stood up and backed away and let Krolov still up stand up, he probably could have won the fight. And, yeah. But he he went back into the snake pit. Croft just tapped him out. Like Span just knew he made a mistake. It was pretty clear as a mistake too. And I, I think that that was that was reflected in that reaction that I was saying, where it's like, oh, I screwed. Yeah, up. like I messed know. up. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Uh, it, he was uh, he was on a decent little run himself um, in the in the division. So this he wasn't even trying. Stalls, <laughs> uh, stalls this. Uh, but now Krylov on a nice little win streak himself. Um, so let's see if he can yeah. recapture what, what we once thought he could be in the, uh, yeah, he can move up in the light heavyweight European division that we got here with Yuri <laughs> Prohaska, uh, Ankalaev, Blankovic, uh, Rakic, Krylov, you know, all these guys, Vulcan Ozdemir, Paul Craig. It's just like <laughs> there, this, this light heavyweight divisions, not that it's a problem, but what is that promotion that is like glory kickbox? Where where did Yuri come from? Where he was doing MMA in? That's, uh, but it, it's turned that division is kind of turning into that promotion basically. Yeah, yeah, it is very. Uh, where they where the MMA fighters have like painted on advertisements on their chests and stuff, like that's basically what the light heavyweight division is. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, cause, and you because you have like guys like the Glovers and stuff that have disappeared. So uh, and and Jones and DC aren't there. And uh, and now this is uh, this is what it is. Yeah. Okay. And then you had a what I thought was just a a really uh, a really fun back and forth fight with Jonathan Martinez and Syed uh, Nurmagomedov, which uh, Jonathan Martinez getting the victory over here. If you listen to the commentary, it really felt like they were in the in the bag for for Syed Nurmagomedov. I was too though. Fight. Yeah, I didn't um, think Martinez won it. Yeah, and I and, and it was it was fairly shocking, but it was a unanimous decision that Martinez got the. Uh, got the victory here. This was this was just one that I was exhausted from watching. After like there was just there was so much energy exerted in this fight. It, it wasn't like a blowaway fight. It was just a lot of stuff happened. Yeah, it was good, and it's not often you see someone with the last name of Nurmega Madoff lose a decision. So <laughs> I like how they had to clarify surprising. on the broadcast too that he was different than like a, a Dagestani Habib uh, clone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. was that was just funny. But he um, had the last name, and he has the traditional beard with no mustache look yeah, and everything like yeah, that. So yeah, yeah. I think you might have to clarify it. Right, right. Uh, our boy Mario Batista here got a win over Guido Cannanelli with a rear naked choke. And the fight of the night, Victor 
Petrino took on Anton Turjak, uh, winning by unanimous decision. Not al- not always that you get 30-26s and 30-27s and it gets made fight of the night. Yeah, these guys had no defense. They just were all punching with mm. rock and sock and for sure. Yeah, and and I think though too on the like on the fight of the night kind of perspective, it's um it's hard when you have a lot of finishes, a lot of submission finishes for any one of those to ever be considered like a fight of the night. Although I think I think like the main event you could have uh you could have given that to um as well. Um after that there was a whole lot of stuff on the prelims including Rafael Asensio losing his fight and then retiring at the end at the end of the fight. So we t- we were kind of having some fun with him last week about uh how long he's been around and how little that uh, he's really progressed. But I guess we we finally hit the end here for Rafael. Yeah. Well, and it's probably about time too. And David Grant, good victory for him. He's someone I always think is just not going to win, and he ends up winning. <laughs> what was that Australian fighter who had been an Olympic champion? He was an older guy. I think Dan he was Kelly? an older Yes. He's yeah, kind of like the Dan Judo, Kelly. Judo Dan. Yeah. yeah. He, David Grant and Dan Kelly are both those kind of guys where like, they're just nice. <laughs> I was all in on, on Dan Kelly. Like I was so into like the old man in the gi that was held together by duct tape until yeah. he started losing fights and I got really uncomfortable that he yeah. was just an old man getting beat up out there. Yeah. Uh, anything else in this card, Rick, that we need to, to brush on? Um, there's a, yeah, Tyson Nam versus Bruno Silva. The second fight was really just a good flyweight bout. And, you know, me being the, Big fan of the flyway. I just thought flyway, it was a flyway ambassador, Rick Monsi. Yeah, yeah, they're just yeah. flying around, just being each other up, and it's entertaining. I had a really good time with how early this fight was on, mm-hmm. and I know we're going to talk about next week's pay-per-view, but it just it cannot be said how nice it was for this main event to end exactly when it did, and then you just turn over to Rumble and the slap fight pay-per-view starts it was just the best timing possible they're lucky they had all those finishes and everything like that but it was just perfect i basically barely moved from my television oh that's good good for you yeah it was a night of just action you know the ufc had a lot of finishes and so did the slap fight so i had a fun time uh we'll talk about slap fight in a minute let's move on to our pay-per-view though ufc 286 coming at this quickly rick did we just have a pay-per-view like 10 we did. minutes ago? Yeah. One that everybody's really excited about. Yeah. This one, uh, not so much hype on it, although I think there's um, there's some big fights on this card. Uh, I feel sure. like this pay-per-view, they're not too concerned about if it does well or not. The John Jones gone pay-per-view apparently got a million buys. Mm-hmm. So that's great. That's really, really good. So this one, they're like, eh, this is almost kind of like when WWE would do the rebellion pay-per-views in Europe. Like they're like, it's not going to sell in the United States, but whatever. They just think it's going to get such a good international buy rate. Yeah. And the function of those was the internet and just, you know, you know, uh, the gate and all that. It was, is kind of the function. It's at the O2 arena, but it's a pay-per-view. So they could probably charge twice as much for tickets. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're going to, they're going to make a lot uh, with this one. I think for sure. In our main event, though, it's the the third in the series between Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title. Um, Leon Edwards, who who we used to joke was the biggest victim in, in the MMA of the pandemic, just could not catch a break for like four years of his career, and then all of a sudden right. is getting beat by Usman for the majority of the fights, and then kind of wins. I didn't kind of win; he actually won. Uh, that like came out of nowhere to the point of, and we used to say this as as being disrespectful. 
Um, but I think it really holds here. Where you, I forget that Usman is not the champion, just because it was so ingrained to in me that Usman is right. the champion of welterweight. But no, it's Edwards, and they got the one in one series versus each other. So this is being billed as Edwards Usman three. I will say though, Rick, if posters are indicators of how everyone feels about everyone, the fact that this is sharing equal real estate on the poster with the main event kind of should tell you all you need to know about the the juice on this fight, as you're saying from an outside perspective. Within the UFC, though, this is a huge fight. We, we got to see if Usman's reign will continue because he was starting to really hit like a legendary a legendary status. And we've seen this across MMA throughout the years in, in our women's divisions recently. You know, we had Valentina lose last week. Is that going to be a blip? And she's going to get it back and keep going. Back in the day, we saw GSP lose, get it back from Matt Sarah. Recently, we saw Amanda Nunez lose and then get it back. Is that going to be this for Usman? Or is like, you know, Leon Edwards actually going to have, have a title reign? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day, every day, to keep up on breaking news and more. That's PWTorch.com. What's your prediction, Rick? This, like you said, could be same division too. When JSP lost against mm-hmm. Sarah, welterweight division, he could just get it back. I think Usman will win this fight. There is a chance that Usman just let his guard down for a little bit, and that's why he caught caught. And maybe now he won't let his guard down at all. I wonder though if he's going to implement the same style of fight that he did before, or do you think he is going to? go out there and just really try to mix it up and just prove not only that he can win, but he is dominant. So mm. I'm excited to see if he plays it safe and tries to get his title back or if he really tries to put Leon Edwards out and puts a statement on this so he doesn't have to go against Leon Edwards again. So it'll be <laughs> I, interesting. I think Usman's going to fight Usmani. I, I don't think he's yeah. going to deviate. He's, yeah. So I think that's why they're advertising the Comey event so much because it's probably going to be very action-packed and mm. good because that's more of the fans' main event. There is a very strong chance this fight's going to suck. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think. And so everybody's good. just sitting in and getting ready for it. It's going to be a lot of Uz- Leon and I were just trying to get back up. Usman is is in that. Maybe I got Valentina on the brain because she just fought last week, but I think they're kind of similar in their championship profiles. In that when they do when they do finish opponents, it is brutal. But there's also the the other end is way more likely in their fights, uh, for them just to you know to be more more methodic and, and keep going and keep going. With uh, with Usman, I wonder, and I have I have been wondering about this for a while. You know, he's 35, which isn't super old in MMA, but he's he's been very active and he's had you know he's been through a lot. He only he only fought once last year, and that was the loss to Leon Edwards, but. Uh, from like 2019 through 2021, he was very active. He was in a lot of big fights, a lot of brutal fights. And you just, I think it's fair to wonder, like, has he punched himself out? Um, I don't know that the last fight was an indication of that. In fact, I would say it wasn't. Mm-hmm. He just got caught. But I think that's something to to put a pin in and watch for in this fight. Yeah. No, it's it's possible. And that's what makes it so interesting, too. It's just what will happen sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fight with big stakes. And, and there'll be a lot of fallout. Um, regardless of of how this thing ends up, I'm excited to hear the crowd be in Leon Edwards' corner because it feels like so much of Leon Edwards' career, the crowd has been against him or mm. apathetic. So yeah, but now he's a champion in a home, a more of a hometown setting. Um, yeah, you would expect him to. Uh... It's going to come off like a hero. Yeah, he there. will. He will. So like, if he wins, like it's it'll be good for the it'll be good for the video packages and such going forward. 
because he will come across like a um, like a star, even if he really hasn't felt like that uh, for the majority of his career. Okay, let's talk about this co-main event because I'm, I'm getting like antsy even just uh, looking at <laughs> looking at it here. Uh, Justin Gaethje, Rafael uh, Fiziev for the old violence title. I'm going to say here yes. uh, in the lightweight division. Now, a uh, big fight for both guys. Uh, Rafael Fiziev has a, an amazing, amazingly shiny 12 and one record, only losing to a spe- in spectacular fashion, if you rec- recall, uh, but to Magomed Mustafa back in April of 2019. Since then, he's done nothing but rattle off wins with RDA being his most recent opponent, but it's 2022 RDA, not you know 2017 RDA. So take that with a grain of salt. So he's he's a guy that it's time for him to enter the the lion's den, so to speak. And on the other end, you have you know everyone's favorite fighter to to watch, Justin Gaethje, who he himself is coming off of a loss to Charles Oliveira, if you remember that uh, that fight back in May of last year. And, uh, and all the grappling difficulties that he had in that fight. Previously, he did b- defeat Michael Chandler in what may be like the greatest fight of all time. Prior to that, had lost to Habib. So that's been kind of the the ebb and flow recently of Justin Gaethje's career. Justin Gaethje's a guy can lose any fight, but can also win every fight. Now, that that's not a, that profound of a statement, but if you know what Justin Gaethje does, you know exactly what I mean. Who gets the victory here, Rick? I, I think Fiziev does. Because like what you said with RDA, that was a 2022 RDA. This is a 2023 Gaethje. And with all the wars he's been in and both the wins and the losses, he's coming battle damaged. Mm-hmm. And you can't have a fight like he did against Chandler and not and be 100 just like you were right before that fight. So I think Fiziev has, while been in wars himself, has probably been in you don't ever see what happens in sparring but i think physio is coming in with a little bit more juice in the battery and i think that uh gaichi will have a tough time implementing his style onto physio with that being said though what makes this exciting is i could also see gaichi just plowing through physio and leg kicking him and trying to take him down and trying to tire him out and i almost wish this is a five-round fight but sometimes these three round fights, like the fight he had against Chandler and everything, are better because they're just going full speed for all three rounds. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's more beneficial from an aesthetic standpoint for Gaethje to be in three round fights for yeah. that exact reason. So I no pacing. It's and it's kind of a treat to see Gaethje fight nowadays mm. because he only fights once a year, maybe in two thousand twenty fought twice, but mm. he doesn't fight that much anymore. So. Every time he comes out, you're just excited to see him. And obviously, he's fighting on the same card as Kamara Usman, so they're all ruined for each other. And so I, I, I think, yeah, this will be this will be what I am paying to watch, mm-hmm. this fight. Agreed, agreed. Um, and then after that, there's there's some names on this card, but but not a whole lot. Gunnar Nelson versus Brian Barberina, we should say, is the the on-deck fight, you, you would assume. Those are welterweights that are uh, flying over, and that should be, actually be a, a really good fight. Jennifer Maya and Casey O'Neill, not so much. Marvin Vittori versus Roman Dolezy, potential. Your boy Jack Shore is on this card. I was thrown off by Laron Murphy, a uh, fight on this, not Lauren Murphy. Uh, Malcolm Gordon, Joanne, not Calder, just Joanne Wood has a fight on this card. And that's about it from names that the general audience would recognize. Yeah, the 
the early prelims, they still call them the UFC Fight Pass prelims, which I love. The early prelims start at 10 a.m. my time, Pacific. Nice. So, yeah, the pay-per-view is on at 2 my time. So mm -hmm. this is great. Even if you're on the East Coast, pay-per-view starting at 5 o'clock, that's not bad. So, Rick, ch check out this, uh, this Saturday I've got lined up. I'm going to spend the morning watching this, and I'm going to transition right from this pay-per-view and go watch Monster Jam. So I have like the greatest Saturday Monster ever. Monster Jam. Yeah. What is that? You know, like monster, the monster trucks. Like, uh, oh, yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. My yeah. dad used to take me to those. I don't know why. There's just something about there's just the smell of the gas. Gasoline. Some, yeah. Yeah. It's something that doesn't really transition at all on television. But no, no. I've, tr I've tried over the years to watch it on TV. Like, this is boring. But yeah. yeah. But in yeah. person, God, that would be fun. That'd be yeah. something that would be cool to go to. Yeah. I'm going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of like uh, you know testosterone. I think by the end of the night, you know, watching all day of UFC, and they're going to watch monster trucks full of testosterone and Modelo's. Yeah, yeah, plenty of. I was I was not going to drop the one of the M bombs um, on this show because I had plenty of them last night. Uh, but uh, you know, thank you UFC for ending early, so some of us could go places and enjoy uh, libations. Okay, Rick, that was my transition. That's going to come up on Saturday. Uh, I think you've become our slap fight slash rumble correspondent, Rick. Uh, let let us let the good folks know about the experience of watching the uh, slap fight pay per view that had to be uh, moved to second rate YouTube for free. Go ahead and uh, lay out your experience. So I know very little about Rumble. I was looking around at trying to find anything else that interested me, and at the moment there is not a lot there that I couldn't just find a better version on YouTube. That being said, though, I have a helicopter right above me. I apologize. But... It's the, it's the drug God. trade you're involved it's, in. They're, it's they're a cop me. helicopter, too. Yeah, oh. it's, Just it's uh, confess like, your crimes now, you know, Rick. There's too many. So I do think it's a good idea, though, that Paraslap ended up moving over to Rumble. And here's why. A, the fan base that most likely is watching this already knows what Rumble is. I did not, but now I do. So it's brought me over to Rumble. So it's good for Rumble. And I think a lot of people probably did watch this for free on Rumble in comparison to what would have been a paying audience on pay-per-view. And it probably would be a good idea if they continue this relationship going forward because it's accessible to the general public. Power Slap is not going to be something that is fully utilized on basic cable television like TBS. You can still have it there, so it brings legitimacy as much as possible and just somewhere you can watch it consistently on television and you have that partnership with TBS and everything. But for their live events, yeah, make it online. Because this all this promotion and all Slap really is, is people taking screenshots of it and playing it in 12-second bits. And it's hugely popular. And they kept advertising how many views a person's slap contest got previously and stuff like that. So I, as much as we make fun of them for being demoted down to rumble, as opposed to the closed circuit pay-per-view, it probably was a better thing for them in the long term. Now, while it could have been better utilized on ESPN plus, as opposed to rumble, that's also behind a paywall though. So with rumble, there is no paywall. You could literally what, do what I did, download the app on your Apple TV, not even sign in, watch it, and be done with it. Just another quick reminder, pwtorch.com slash govip, coupon code MARCH23, gets you $6 off a VIP subscription this month. Govip, here are post 
Revolution Roundtable podcast, exclusively for VIP members. That membership will give you instant access to our post-Revolution pay-per-view roundtable that we recorded immediately after Revolution for VIP members, and that will also include our Night 1 and Night 2 post-event roundtables, plus everything in between. Our 18 years ago podcast, vintage insider news updates from me and the Torch team, and new Wade Keller hotlines with exclusive news and many other features. Full details at pwtorch.com slash govip, coupon code MARCH23. Gets you $6 off, 60% off a one-month sub, or $6 off a three-month or one-year sub. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at pwboom.com. Once again, that's pwboom.com. So it's a little bit low rent, but it, it's accessible. And that's what you need this to be. Power Slap is accessible. So what are your thoughts on that before I actually go into it? Did you die, Robert? Robert's dead now. You're on mute, buddy. Man, I had a great take there. Oh, that's too bad. No, I was. I, I, I understand what you're saying about the accessibility. I do think, though, you probably need to have it on a different uh, platform, though. Uh, like YouTube, like YouTube, yeah. Um, I, I, I do, I do think um, that might, uh, that might be hindering it. But I, I get your concept because, like, I can't picture myself paying money for a slap competition. No. It's, it's just, it's just something that you know on the purchasing side. Now, I would maybe watch it on ESPN Plus, but I'm already, I'm already in on the ESPN Plus side of things. Like, I, I already have it, so uh, it could just be something that I would check out. What is the, uh, what is the actual quality of the show, though, Rick? I never really watched the show, the reality show, The Road mm-hmm. to Power Slap. I watched the last episode before this, though, because they put that on YouTube mm-hmm. and on Rumble. So I watched that 47-minute episode. And in that episode, they didn't have any of the house drama. Because I guess the show ran a lot like The Ultimate Fighter did, where people are in a house, not use, allowed to use their phone in multiple competitions. You get to know the fighters through the coaches. It's almost exactly like The Ultimate Fighter, except they do slaps. And that the people in the contest, like in the early days of the Ultimate Fighter, are just crazy <laughs> and just full of personality and insane. Like there's this one guy whose name is Slap Jesus. You know, he kind of looks like a homeless person a little bit. Uh, and there's other characters in there too who are just perfect for what this is. So my exposure to this show was watching that episode and all that episode was, was the quarterfinal competition. So it was just one after another of these quote unquote slap competitions. So it was fun for me to watch because it's like diving into something at the climax. And so I didn't have to go through the minutia of like the first seven episodes or anything. So for me, it was actually pretty entertaining because I didn't know what the rules were. So they do a good job setting up right away. If you don't know, like you can't, lift your feet when you do the slab you can't pivot too much the other guy can't flinch and there's all these little rules that kind of make it fun the point system is a little weird but like when a slap competition goes decision but it got me at least invested to watch the pay-per-view and then when the pay-per-view started with the live crowd and everything like that they had a lot they had let me see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fights or you know slap competitions in the whole card 
And so they, it was able to keep going at a pretty brisk pace. And Michael Bisbing and one of the other UFC commentators were doing the commentating on it. So there was that familiarity there. It's at the apex. So that's familiar. And the crowd was pretty loud once they all showed up. Uh, I have to say, I, I enjoyed it. I don't know if it's something that I need to watch consistently. Like I, it was hard for me to watch Dana White's contender series when that's out all the time, when I'm working, I'm definitely not keeping up with power slap, but if they have not like power slap two or something like that, I'll probably end up watching it. Uh, it does seem incredibly dangerous though. You can't help but watch this. And when someone gets knocked out, think like, Ugh, this isn't good. But I also feel that way sometimes when I see someone get knocked out in the UFC uh-huh. and get like head kicked to death, you know, like for instance, these slap knockouts, and when Jessica I get when Jessica I got knocked out by Valentina Shevchenko, remember that kick? Yeah, yeah. Same kind of feeling. The uncomfortable, like yeah, they could be dead. Altering. Yeah, yeah. So it's different for me to watch something like slap power slap, uh, and once you get past the low brownness of it, which I can easily because I also mm-hmm. watch crappy wrestling yeah. i'm not saying all wrestling's crappy but i've watched purposely crappy wrestling and i enjoy it like I, lo- I love going back to watch wcw thunders and stuff like that so i don't there's not much of a barrier for me to jump over and enjoy power slap and i don't get hung up too badly on things being lowbrow or just for rednecks or trash people because yeah. i kind of am that so i'm good <laughs> like <laughs> or at least i enjoy the same things that they would like i have the maturity of a 12 year old sometimes mm-hmm. so i'm gonna love like if this was around when I was in my teens, I'd have been wearing the t-shirts and everything. I would have loved this. <laughs> it almost uh, felt feels like this came too late. Yeah, well, it, that was that's kind of the vibe I get. Like, do you remember those like street fight videos that you would buy next to the UFC videos and the wrestling videos at like a Hastings yeah. back in the day? Well, this, yeah, even this seems like something that would be on there, right? This this already was a success, Kimbo Slice. Like, this is just no better or no worse than that mm-hmm. in some ways. This is just and people were like. I was reading the comments in some of the videos because ESPN MMA would post like a result and people would be posting shame on you, Dana White, or the training that goes in and just making fun of it. I'm like, that's only going to empower the people who like it to like it that much more because there's so much of this, this is not good or this is unacceptable or this isn't funny or just people, a lot of people acting holier than thou lately and they always have been, but, and and people are just getting sick of it. They're going to just be like, I like what I like. Now, is this something that's going to be, you can have your girlfriend watch it with you or your friends like you can kind of with boxing and MMA. It's still a struggle. But no, if if you like Power Slap, there's a good chance you're going to be watching it by yourself. <laughs> Regardless of whether or not you watch it, you're just going to be by yourself. <laughs> yeah. So there is that, that you're never going to be able to, at least with MMA and stuff, you can going to attract people to watch some of the fights and whatnot. But if you're not into this, you're really not into this. Mm. And I get that completely. So I'm never going to defend power slap to someone who doesn't like it. Cause I get it, but I had a good time watching it and I'll watch it again. But I also, am not like super excited to see when it comes back or anything mm. like that. I'm good. Like I saw it, it was, and if this ends up being the only season of it and there's never a power slap too, I'm good with that too. Uh-huh. I had fun. Okay. 
the characters in it are pretty i mean the people are pretty funny because like they talk about being athletes and they're just average people like one guy was a mechanic who's now the champion and i think that's one of the strongest things about it is that, that like that slap jesus guy is interested like all the people in these power slap fights are really they're not like these refined athletes. It really reminds me of the early days of the UFC. It just like they're that, just that's probably the impetus of making a reality show out of it. Yeah, they're nuts. <laughs> like some <laughs> of them. And there's a certain element of this competition that it is a little scary to watch. And it's kind of what's attractive about it too. Mm -hmm. Like when you're about to get slapped, you're probably gonna get knocked out. And there's face there's chance you're gonna have facial paralysis. And uh so it's a it's a scary, dangerous thing to watch, and there's something kind of cool about that. I don't know. I, I'd probably be into watching bullfights if they had them in my town. Like if you could drive like <laughs> two hours and watch a bullfight, probably would have gone. Like I just like stuff that's dangerous. A bullfight. You know, yeah. what, you know we we need to get on that ultimate bullfighting championship. <laughs> One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much. The one thing I will say about it that I am not crazy about, and it's the same thing with the UFC right now, is it's just making it look too clean. Like they're bringing, they're making Power Slap to look too desanitized. Like everybody either had a blue shirt or a black shirt, you know, and everything was very logoed and very professional looking. Like I kind of want things to be a little dirtier. Like this should definitely be the ECW of the UFC win, but it's not. It's, I, <laughs> it looks like an episode of SmackDown. I, I'm just gonna say, Rick. Uh, I think you gave a very uh, fair, measured review of uh, the show. I was not expecting, though, for the fact that it looked too highbrow to actually be <laughs> the criticisms it of the does. show. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they have funny. all the. They have some. It's the same production team that does the UFC, so it's all the I same kind thing. Yeah, and that's, yeah, it's that, like when WWE took over ECW. It just, it's everything like it, clean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's my only thing. But there was a lot of quote unquote knockouts, and is a lot of just interesting people on it. And you know what I liked about it too is they could swear. <laughs> which was real they couldn't swear on the show even though they did but they beeped it out which i also loved like some of the things they were just yelling at each other were so great but michael bisbing even swore on the commentary he's like he slapped the and he said s you know s-h-i-t he's like he's like and bisbing would said that all through the night it could be his catchphrase having bisbing do the commentary was it's just some of his best commentary ever um <laughs> uh Okay, so that was the our slap fight uh, report. I do want to mention really quick, um, we're not spend a lot of time on it, but fairly significant Bellator event happened on Friday, Bellator 292. Usman Nurmagomedov defeated Benson Henderson with a rear naked choke submission. And the other big fight of note was MVP Michael Venom Page with a brutal leg kick TKO victory over Gyoti Yamauchi, which I feel like those guys have fought 9,000 times, even if they haven't. Uh, but that did happen on the Bellator side of things. But Rick, you were uh, 
you were in the theater a lot last week, and we talked to you before going to watch AEW's Revolution pay-per-view. What are your uh, what are your thoughts and impressions from the in-theater experience? I always love watching these events in the theater, where they whether they be MMA or they be AEW. And thank God I had gotten tickets or seats more in the center of the theater, unlike what I did in the USC John Jones pay-per-view, because I was right up on the screen. John Jones looked like the Mount Rushmore as far as size goes. He was huge. And so I was able to lay back a little bit and watch it. And I'm not super familiar with the AEW product, but it was the theater was about half full. Uh, one of the issues was I went to go see it in at Regal downtown, and there's a Lakers game the same day. So they're sharing the parking lot, and there's just a massive amount of people there. So getting to the theater itself was a challenge. But once I was in there, had my seat, it was with my friend Elliot. We were watching it. Uh, aesthetically, I had a great time watching it on the big screen. The sound quality was good. And and then the pay-per-view started, and I think I enjoyed most of it. I have to say, you know, context is everything. And I had to be up at five o'clock in the morning the next mm. day, which is probably not the best time to be watching an Iron Man match because no. I was just like, God, go. But I was having a really good time watching the Iron Man match. Um, I don't know if we want to go in the pay-per-view itself, but there's things I liked about and things that I wasn't crazy about. And it's hard for me nowadays to actually sit through a full wrestling show mm. that I so can't skip through certain stuff. Let's go on the, on the stuff that you did enjoy. Let's just kind of, we don't have to do a pay-per-view pay breakdown. So, you know, it's a week right. old, but, uh, I the main event was great. I thought that they were able to stretch it out in the parts mm. they needed to, and there was a little bit of stalling, but for the most part, I really enjoyed it. I was stunned by how good this main event was. Yeah. Like, I had no expectations. Um, obviously, Brian Danielson's one of the best of all time, but MJF, um, and, and not that he's bad, it just, I didn't want, I didn't know if I wanted to watch him wrestle for an hour. Like, that, to me, that didn't fit his strengths, but they pulled it off. I thought this was, uh, this was a hell of a way to put over MJF from, from Brian Danielson's perspective. I also liked the way they handled the finish. With the you know, I kind of groaned at the overtimeness of it, and even some of the, it, it was it was more of that old school heel thing that I think people have lost sight of, where yes, the heel cheats, but it's it, they are still competent at what they do, uh, and I think that's what got lost a little bit in wrestling over the last few years, where you have more of that Miz type of heel that there's no concept that the guy can actually beat uh, the the person he's going against. Um, so, it, but it, it's also like I was thinking, Rick, and I want you to just reflect on this. Is it, what stratosphere though is Brian Danielson entering? I think in his televised wrestling career, because we already know he might be the greatest indie wrestler ever. And you know, obviously, he's not on the you know Rock Austin scene or those guys. But when I think of like comparing him to like HBK and Bret Hart and stuff, I think he's now you could say he's had a comparable career to at least the, that level of guy. As far as quality of work, yeah, but I definitely think that him. After he won his title, then he had retired for a while in WWE because of his ish health issues. Then when he came back, he wasn't the same mm -hmm. popularity or being marketed. And then when he came to AEW, he's kind of a big fish in a little pond, but they never really strapped the rocket to him. So it is interesting to, at least when HBK came back, they did give him the title very, very briefly, but he was in high profile main events and being utilized. I guess HBK would probably be a good analysis, but I mm -hmm. feel like... I just think Brian Danielson's being underutilized in general. I think he made MJF look good in this match, but and I'm taking a little bit of this from the Cornette show he did a while ago, but it would have been nice if this wasn't their first match 
because it feels like where do you go from here a i would love to see a culmination see this, was, this was more like a culmination than a yeah and it's just and what do you do with brian danielson if you move on to a different opponent well, like it looks like he's gonna be taking some time off if, if the and, way uh dynamite went down like that he's gonna you know exit he's talking a lot more lately about his career nearly being over so i think I think that plays more into it. I, I've heard your criticism on that for about two years that they're not utilizing him. I don't think he's invested as a top guy himself, and I think that's where that that issue starts to starts to come up. Yeah, and that's fine. I just now that he's gone, they they need top heels or top baby faces, and then if he's taking some time off, and I don't know, it's just maybe you just can't replicate what you did in WWE, and they used him the best they can. So, All right, what else yep. did you find uh, compelling on this card? Uh, I thought that Jungle Boy and Christian had a really good match, and I was a lot less entertained with a Hangman Page and Moxley's version of almost the exact same thing. Why do you not like Moxley? I I do not understand this with you. Ricky. I just think he's a crap wrestler. I, I just like I think his mannerisms are. I think he's taking a little bit of Stone Cold and a little bit of Sandman. And a lot from Nick Gage, and I don't really know who Mockley is nowadays. And I never really liked him that much as Dean Ambrose in WWE either. I just don't, I don't, and I also don't like that style of wrestling match all that much. The the hardcore half the time, I'm just trying to figure out which barbed wire is real and which barbed wire is fake, and the back racks and everything. I just, I'm not a fan. I'm, and but that's okay. Like, yeah, no, that's of... I, that's what I wanted you to explain it because, like. That is the biggest disconnect you and I have in wrestling. Is I I think Moxley is you know the top two or three best wrestler of this generation, and you are in a completely different wavelength. I do not like. I do not think that. Yeah, I think he's. Are you not... are you completely cornet pilled? Is that what's going on here? Because your, no, take, your takes are no, pretty echoey Corn of cornet. Cornet doesn't like the elite and stuff, and I I enjoy them. Okay, like and that's his biggest yeah. anti thing, and I really disagree with him on that like yeah they do what they do and if you're not into it you're not into it which he's clearly not but i'm into like that six man was awesome and uh -huh. cornet hated that match and i loved it <laughs> like it, i thought that man i thought that match great. was great yeah it's it's great that that match was great um i wouldn't know um because bleacher report freaking sucks with their pay-per-view oh really you missed it oh it was so really i bought good. the pay-per-view earlier in the day and then it was not showing as I had purchased. I had to go through, be sent an access code. I had to send Bleacher Report a proof of purchase. <sighs> that's frustrating. Yeah, but it was like, good. yeah, and that's like okay, Jungle Boy and Christian. Um, I think, as you said, was a a pretty good match. It's not well received, but I think the fun the fun of the night would have been watching. Like this pay per view seems to have gotten good marks because of three matches, uh, them being. The main event, the the Texas Death Match, and this match, um, which I th I think there, there's a few there's a few layers here, right? One, it's it's about time you needed to do something uh, with the Alistair Brack, Bloody Matthews, Brody King uh, group. They've really been spinning their wheels. At the same time, are we are we going to read anything into uh, the Elite suddenly not having any titles? Rick? I would. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. You know, uh, my prediction still holds. I think they still stick with AEW, but. I mean, I think if Tony Khan learned anything, do, if Tony Khan learned yeah. anything from like uh, over the years, you don't keep a title on people you're in contract negotiations with either, right? Yeah, I think yeah. the young books stay, but I could definitely see Omega going. So uh -huh. therein lies that rub, it, which it, is fine. Yeah, if I don't know, I, I have not that I've changed my mind because I still think Alta. If I had to place that mythical parlay, I I have him staying. 
Um, but like, it's not that crazy. Like when you really think about it, it's not, I think that contradicts some of the stuff I might've said like a week ago, but I don't know. I'm just. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. I, I think what you do right now while you still have him is just have, if Danielson's taken time off, have Kenny Omega go fight, fight MJF. Mm-hmm. Just like give him that last run, put MJF over. Well, with put him, Omega. I mean, that would be the, like, I, I think this one was pretty legitimizing for MJF. I think that would be. Yeah, yeah just that, do that. that. Be, uh, That's the feud we want to see, nothing else. So there was a bunch of matches on this, though, I was not excited to see. Mm-hmm. So the, the matches that I thought were going to be good ended up being good, but. Wardlow and Samojo, I was just it was just hard to watch. I think Wardlow is not very good right and they, now and they took the title off him too on, on Wednesday. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. And then yeah. MJF and Street Clothes. And then Samojo, I'm just I think unless he's going to get someone much smaller than him, it just doesn't work. And his mm-hmm. offense is just stilted at this point. And Samojo I know what he did has worked for him in the past, but God, it wouldn't kill him to get a couple new moves. <laughs> it's just like it, you're it's almost mind-numbing how many times some we watch people do the same things over and over and we pretend mm-hmm. it's new and exciting and Smojo is a guy who i grew up watching in ring of honor and stuff and i could really just not need to see another Samojo for me like match for it's the rest of very my much life. a parody of the old Samojo. yeah um, i am just over it and i think he completely. still has value it just it needs to be refocused a little bit it, it, it feels too much like resting on laurels um and he might be pretty beat up too so i mean there, there, that might be the only thing he can do but even even like character wise and stuff i think like he used to have more range than he has now he yeah because he was a, back when he was a younger bigger guy and he was fighting cruiserweights mm-hmm. or you know like in the x division or even in ring of honor that's when he was good not but, when he was going against the ward lows right and, the violent baby face was really where he was where I, that's where i really took to him you know now he looks just like all swollen blown up and just anyways um so that happened uh and then hold on one second what'd you but what'd you think of uh wardlow you know where's where he was at and everything like that yeah they just i mean they dropped the ball with him um uh, completely now he's wearing from, like sparkling trunks and stuff they it was it, it, it was crazy like that's the whole turning point with aew i think wardlow's arc almost reflects it um because they the they they did a good job. They put, they had the crowd completely into him as this organic, you know, non WWE baby face. Um, and then he got overshadowed with the MJF stuff going into that, you know, when MJF had walked out and they've just never been able to, like they lost focus of him. Like they had him squash the guy who's the champion right now. They had him squash him and they just did nothing with it to a significant level. Like remember his whole thing was, I don't want to go after the main title. I want to go after the TNT title, which you can make some hay out of like that. That could be some. That could be something that you utilize, um, but they just they just cooled him off to a point where I think he still will occasionally get reactions because people remember that time. But the, but they're just reactions because hey, we like you. It's not because hey, you're doing anything compelling. Um, and I do think there's some limitations, and, and limitations are fine because they were able to work around those limitations to really to really get him over. It does also maybe speak to how good MJF is as a heel, 
that he hasn't been able to reach those heights again, detached from MJF. Yeah. No, I hear you. And, and the haircut doesn't help either. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't crazy about the women's match either. Yeah, it was because I Yeah, it just, the th- three ways are hard to make work in general. And it's not like any of them did very bad. And Soraya or Paige or whatever, I just, I'm not, she's not that dynamic to me. I, again, I don't follow the product. So I was like, is she a big deal? I was asking my friend Elliot, like, is, or have they just totally blown it with her? Because it they, seems like they've blown it with her. She's in a three way. They've blown it. They've, yeah. Like, they had, that's another one. You had, you know, seen Paige get to wrestle again. Like, that was, uh, that was something you really could have, and, and, and her schedule is limited. So I think you could have really, really done something with that. But, um, the the problem in the women's division right now um, is is a, is goes back to to Britt Baker in the, her Triple H character that Triple H two thousand two character that they have her running, where all these um, all these people and there's three of them in this match or there was someone involved in this match in Soraya Tony Storm and Ruby, uh, she feuds with them as supposed to be the heel but her her heel thing is you suck because you're from WWE and you're an outsider and no one likes you and we're the cool kids over here. And it doesn't really work as as what she's trying to do. Like she actually starts making sense as a heel. Again, it's very reminiscent of, of like just Booker T and Triple H without like the the racial element to it. Um, and then in the meantime, her Batista Jamie Hader became the person that everyone actually cares about. And I guess they're kind of baby faces now, but it's it's just kind of odd. And and to give credit to Hader, she has stayed over this entire time. Uh, but the you know there, there's the stigma that they don't use. They're they're almost the reverse. Uh, TNA. Remember TNA would come in, would just have the WWE guys just go over everyone. You know, Christian right. came in and suddenly he's a world title guy and all this. It's almost the opposite in a in AEW where the WWE guys come in and then they're like, uh, like subservient, you know, to the to the AEW um, side of things. So the the women's division continues to to just not be great as the roster has improved. That's the funny thing about it. Like the roster has improved, uh, the booking um, really really hasn't and uh, and they needed they needed to get it to, they got talent that's the thing they early on when kenny omega was was being a really bad booker they also he also was a really bad talent scout they actually didn't have a ton of talent and now they've got a ton of talent but they still haven't really figured out I just, I just don't think i don't think tony khan prioritizes women's wrestling i think he has it on his show as something that he thinks he needs to have in 2022 but he doesn't seem to have a, a vested interest in it being booked in a coherent or, or long-term or main event way which is funny because one of their proclamations early on was the women are going to get paid as much, going to be featured as much, and women equality, It's everything's going to be the same. And then it couldn't be lower on the priority list for AEW, it seems right. like. And what's also funny, too, is that the fans pay... There are, I think, fans that are really interested in women's wrestling in AEW, but I think there are also fans that are really not. And it just maybe I'm little tune match cornet and i know i've said this before but there has been proof that fans have turned the tv off during those matches and not mm-hmm. come back or come back like 30 minutes later and it's not because necessarily the women it's probably because how they're being presented well, and everything it's, like it's, that. it's anything that lacks focus yes and i think the the problem is in like a women's division is occasionally they will try to present that as as quasi main event when it hasn't been presented like that like uh that's one thing for all their flaws that's what the wwe does has done a much better job of especially like in the last year they also have better talent too yeah but i I don't think the talent disparity is that different but but you do have like for for better or worse you know like 
you know, Becky Lynch and Bailey have basically been the number two storyline behind the bloodline for like three months on on Raw. And the Charlotte Rhea thing is kicking, you know, like they're the one, there's multiple women's storylines. That's that's a difference between AEW where they're they're like the old WWE thing where there's just one. Um, and then and the the personalities are not w- woven throughout the show um, in in nearly nearly the same way. Um, they don't have a Rhea Ripley though. Rhea Ripley is bigger than most of the male talent in WWE. She's over, over, mm-hmm. and if they give her the title, she'll be way over. So, and Rhea is a good example because she has a title program with Charlotte, which is a huge deal, the main event deal kind of on its own, and then she's involved in the Dominic Ray storyline too. So. Uh, yeah, she, she's she's a good example of, and, and, and she has not been perfect at all. It wasn't really until this last year that she was booked well, but uh, um, yeah, the, the, the women's division they just need to, they should get get their crap together. Like I'm tired of I'm tired of like saying it. Like they just need to get it together, or or just don't have be New Japan and not have a women's division if you're gonna if you're gonna do what you do with. Them. I I think they'd probably be doing better ratings wise if they didn't have a women's division at this point because it just it's like. Hot thousands of people like tune off once it comes on and it just if they're that's what this match is going to be like in the middle of the show and it's it was it felt like the bathroom break match right. i i can't envision it like again like there's several w and this is not to be pro wwe to anti aw there's several women's storylines over the last like year and a half that could main event and have made event at wwe pay-per-views like and it's it it's it's something we don't really bat an eye on, you know what I mean? Because uh, WWE has done at least an adequate enough job of integrating the women's division as just part of the show. Whereas this 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 feels niche, right? It feels like it's like oh yeah, here's 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 the girl section, and right. it's not you know it's not being framed in this and, and not even in a silly way. Not like WWE used to do that when in the divas era where they were just they were completely frivolous. It it just feels like low wattage. Like there's not a lot of. Um, there's not a lot of, of care put it's into paying lip service, and it feels like the fans are almost playing like everybody's playing along. We like AEW's like we have to have a women's division. Here it is, and then all the fans are like we have to appreciate the women's division because that's what we do, and and so we're gonna clap for it. But no one's like really invested in it. It's just like when WCW had the cruiserweights. Like here's the cruiserweights. Well, that's exactly what I'm where where I'm. It's more like that where it's uh, again it's just it's just low water. It's like I am not surprised at all. That Sasha Banks, uh, Mercedes Monet didn't sign with AEW and wants you know is doing her free agent thing like that. I, I have no doubt she'll appear in AEW a time or two, but like, why would you if you're her, her and you've seen how Paige and Tony Storm and Ruby Soho where their careers have gone? Is there any reason to believe yours would be any different? And you actually have value and can you know can rake in money in, in other places like that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all, and that that gives kind of too much of a boon to WWE too of making them an attractive place uh to be for 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 female talent or to be a free agent the way uh that Mercedes is. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed, the Wade Keller Processing podcast, Wade Keller Processing post shows and the PW Torch daily cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. Anything else from the pay-per-view that really caught your eye? Yeah, I just, it's amazing how over Chris Jericho's theme song is. That match itself I didn't really care about, but <laughs> his theme song is amazingly and I over. hate, I still hate that as a song. I just, 
I can't not sing along when he comes out and I'm in my living room just like I, I knew nothing about it. And then when everybody's singing, even in the spaghetti. theater, people are singing. Yeah, it was just incredible. And and they had a a prelim match, that six man tag match mm -hmm. with Mark yeah. Briscoe getting the pan. I'm a big Briscoe's fan. I was very sad to hear about Mark's brother dying. It does feel a little. I don't know. It just feels like the whole Mark Briscoe thing is like a, a makeup. Like, yeah. hey, we couldn't feature you guys on our television at all. Now that your brother's passed away, we're going to have you win all these matches as a single star or in tag matches when, and everybody's going to clap and we're going to pretend it's really good. And it, it, it feels, uh, yeah, it's, it's something about it feels wrong, and I don't know. Like, I'm not blaming anyone for it. Like, I don't think anyone's doing no. anything wrong. It's just there, there's a certain sadness um, in it that, that goes Doesn't beyond. It make me feel good. It goes, either. yeah, it goes beyond just the sad, the sadness of the tragedy. Like, there's just a general. But it reminds you of the tragedy. It, it and, does. It and does. what I would argue would be, I really like the match he had with Jay Lethal. I thought that was super necessary, but just give it a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, but he's here every week winning these matches and doing the redneck kung fu. And I don't know, it just makes you feel un uncomfortable, but maybe I'm being sensitive. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's something that just happened, too. So, you know, there's there there there's not always time for that uh, perspective uh, one, one way or the other. Like, I'm not necessarily blaming AEW for doing it, uh, but I get what you're saying, too, um, for sure. Uh Okay, so um, I think though the the overall vibe of this pay per view was the the way WWE pay per views were like two years ago, where they would they, like people would finish those show and be like, "Damn, that was a good show," but it doesn't like make up for the fact that leading up to it was <laughs> was some was some sludge, um, and that's where that's where AEW really feels like it's at right now of like um, a, like one of those graphs that's all over the place. Like there's some stuff they have on those shows that are really really good. And then some of their uh, some of their tendencies they can't really um, they can't really break out of. I would say though, from from a business perspective, even if uh, their ratings have been all over the place too, where they're up and then they're down and they're up and they're down, they are going to be given another hour of wrestling programming um, through uh, I believe somewhere on Turner. I don't know where. Uh, so if there's you know I think that probably that's probably a good signal of how they are valued within that corporate structure that, you know, they're being, they're being given more television time. They're going to have a third show. Yeah, yeah. Well, another hour of wrestling. We don't know exactly what it's going to be. It's another hour of wrestling. Um, because I mean, it would, I mean, they already, that's significant. It's the, you know, the second most wrestling time I think ever given or third most after WCW that, that cable networks ever given to a wrestling company. Yeah, and I mean it's a good sign, but they already have two shows, and they're trying to have these Ring of Honor shows. It just feels like they got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, no, like, I'm not interested in that third show, and they have the no. reality. They have the reality show coming up as well. Um, but but I think I think as far as like the gloom and doom, and it still could have the gloom and doom over their television situation. Though I I would say that the people in charge definitely seem to have a certain value um, in AEW at, at the moment. Did you watch um, the Ring of Honor show yet? No, no, no. Because uh, I, I never. I said I was going to, and I never pulled the trigger on the honor. Yeah. Game, so uh, the venue looks good. I've seen pictures, yeah. but I, I, I heard. Watch it. I, I, just, I listened to the fix. I heard Todd's uh, review of it, and he, you know, he kind of gave a a review that it, it was. It didn't seem that dissimilar to AEW as a program. Um, and I get what he's saying there, but at the same time, but if it kind of keeps the ROH stuff off of AEW television, that's probably for the better. 
Uh, because that, that's been the single one thing I think at their television pr- presentation that has like soured me personally is just the Ring of Honor storylines just feel so out of place and, the, and they're just kind of there. Um, yeah. When they so, have other compelling stuff. To, so to, basically to Ring of Honor has become 205 Live. Yeah. Okay, uh, great. Yeah, that's kind of the uh, the thing. I don't know. Like, like we see, we have guys like Eddie. If Eddie Kingston that becomes you know his home, I think that's a good spot for him. The problem with Eddie Kingston is you know before he started fighting guys backstage and stuff, he had that momentum that he could be maybe not the champion, but almost in like the Sami Zayn type of role. Um, and they they have uh, they have lost that. I, I still think in general, and this here's my assessment of AEW's programming. They are still in the recovery fa- phrase fa- phase. Excuse me, from August from the just the tumultuous summer they had and you know they lost what four of their top guys in one night um they're they're still digging themselves out of that like they're not i don't think they're in the darkness that that moment was and the fallout from there but they're still they're still dealing with the consequences and effects of that yeah and they have mjf threatening to leave omega wanting to leave it sounds like brian danielson taking some time off moxley wants to take some time off christian cage wants to take some time off like they <laughs> They have a fluctuating roster. Whereas WWE, Roman Reigns, top. Mm. You got well, all yeah, these guys just yeah, steady. Ro- Roman, the, yeah, and Roman. This is this has been a big Roman week. I felt like just in general, I've I've had a Roman appreciation. He really has, and he's not even on TV all the time. But he has really him and his storyline being so prominent. Maybe that's what like the goal is in theory with a guy like MGF. Although it's hard to replicate, he has stabilized that company in in so many ways um, that that it's it's something they, they were missing for a long time um and and even even in the cena era i don't feel like the company was as stable as it as it feels with with roman as a champion as your top guy as a central focus um and and it feels like AEW for all of what it does has always been just more ensemble and uh and so when a lot of those uh, those parts are kind of running dry as you're saying um guys that have been running pretty hard for a couple of years that need a little bit of a break um, you, you got to make sure that next that next generation is ready to go. And to their credit, like a lot of revolution was, you know, you had Adam Page and MJF gaining submission victories, you know, over established top top tier guys that you know have single digit losses on their AEW record. So it's still there. You know, Ricky Starks is still percolating, and then Adam Cole looks like to be back in the fold pretty soon. Uh, that's another part of the all the all the insanity of the of the brawl out night. Is you still also didn't have Adam Cole for like basically the entirety of his run, you right. haven't had access to him. So um, I, I do think there's probably brighter horizons are upon us, but they're still they're still working through that. They're still we're still in the hangover period from what happened last summer. Yeah, it's probably gonna be in it for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I do I do wonder about the punk thing. the The longer this goes, the more likely I think it is that there's some sort of reconciliation. I think he's coming back. I do, I do too. Like if I had to, they need him so badly. If I had to place that bet, I think he is uh, coming. And I mean, I mean, if Omega and the Bucks are out of the way, I mean, who knows? I know, I know, Jericho supposedly is is like the guy in the locker room that's telling people like, don't worry, he's not coming back. He's not coming back. But <laughs> but we'll see. You know, it's funny. Punk aside, the only thing that AEW can really look forward to is when and if WWE gets purchased by Saudi Arabia. Mm. All right there's gonna be a lot of wrestlers who will not work for wwe the, at that uh, point oh man the uh the tony khan tweets that week will be amazing mm-hmm. um that'll be... I, that's gonna be a whole different issue with who knows what comes from that so aw just needs to hang on yeah um 
Yeah, just don't don't get my like you ha- you have a chance at a steadying force theoretically. Just um, you know what? Do and... do a new Japan takeover storyline for about six months. We'll just watch that or Noah takeover. Just do something like that, like <laughs> New Japan World Order. Just come in there and like a Forbidden Door that's on television. That I know they did that a little bit with her Forbidden Door advertisement, mm-hmm. but. Let's just have fun with it. Just do a new Forbidden Door again and just do another storyline while go, you're in these. Go all in on it if you're going to do it, though. That's That was my problem with last year's is that they were just sort of random matches that were happening instead of like you're like you saying, like something that really engulfs the whole company. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rick, any parting shots on this uh, this loaded show we had? Yeah, no, I just... Had a good weekend, and I'm sure this upcoming weekend with the pay-per-view being on so early will be nice as well. And um, that's about it. I'm trying to think of anything else entertainment-wise coming up that is uh, exciting, but nothing jumps out. It's kind of a, it's been kind of a lull in movies and everything else. I mean, Scream's supposed to be pretty good, but I don't care. Don't care about Cocaine Bear. I'm just waiting for entertainment to come my way sooner than later. Hmm. All right. Uh, I I thought you'd be all in on Cocaine Bear. Yeah, it just looks goofy. I'm over goofy movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to watch Megan, sucked, and I'm just I watch goofy movies. I just don't want to pay for them. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, that's uh, that makes sense. Um, all right. Well, that is gonna do it for us this week. For Rick, I've been Robert. We were done. We were out of here. Stay safe, and we will talk to you next week. PW Torch is now on YouTube. Check out our relaunched, revamped, and reinvigorated YouTube channel after many years sitting dormant, collecting dust. And now it's back, shinier, brighter. It smells better. It's our PW Torch YouTube channel. And you can check out daily news updates, the weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Hadorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches. And I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself. Go check it out. YouTube.com slash PWTorch. And be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos. We've got a PW Torch VIP sale going on this month. If you are interested in becoming a VIP member, you can get $6 off any subscription. That brings a one-month sub down to 4 bucks, And you can listen to our AEW Revolution post-event roundtable. Todd Martin, Rich Fan, and I discuss the event for about an hour right after the show ended exclusively for VIP members. You also will get the WrestleMania post-show roundtables following night one and night two at the beginning of next month as part of that deal, and you get everything in between. I have brought back the Ask the Editor version of the Wade Keller hotline. The last two Wednesdays, we've dropped that with me responding with long-form answers to a wide array of topics. 
and the Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE insider news updates with my expanded analysis have also been brought back more frequently lately, including breakdowns of minute-by-minute numbers for Dynamite and SmackDown in two recent updates, and also behind-the-scenes news on Bray Wyatt and how he's being written and by whom, and other exclusive backstage notes and insights. We also are running our 18 Years Ago podcast series on the nearly 18th anniversary of podcasts when they were originally published back in 2005. We feature them on the PW Torch VIP podcast feed. This includes our post-pay-per-view roundtables and also Wade Keller hotlines with a ton of insider news. And right now, this week, we are running a series of podcasts detailing with incredible behind-the-scenes details, sometimes excruciating details, on what was going on with Edge, Lita, and Matt Hardy in that uh, kind of love triangle controversy of 2005 that uh, changed the course of, of several careers. At the time, I reported a ton of details on how the locker room was reacting to them, uh, how Vince McMahon, if he was involved, because Vince was actually away with his injury at that time, uh, if he was involved, and just uh, the, the ups and downs and the drama of everything that, that blew up behind the scenes there. It's also the beginning, 18 years ago, of John Cena and Batista's push, and there's a lot of fun analysis of what we thought of them at the beginning of their upward trajectory. I could go on. There's just so many great VIP exclusive features. You get these shows ad-free and plug-free, and you get access to our ad-free Lightning Fast VIP website with all the content that's on the free site, plus bonus content, including the roundtable reviews in written format from the Torch staff of AEW Revolution. We'll be doing that for WrestleMania coming up also, plus exclusive columns and more. So go VIP, pwtorch.com slash go VIP. The coupon code to get $6 off, and you can apply that $6 coupon to a one-month, a three-month, or a one-year sub. But again, that brings a one-month sub down to $4 for everything I just mentioned and more. The coupon code is March 23. March 23. Enter that when you sign up at pwtorch.com slash govip. And yes, we are compatible with the Apple Podcast app. When you sign up, you'll get an email and you click on that link and it authorizes you. No advanced settings, no passwords, nothing complicated. And we are compatible with many other podcast apps in a similar way. pwtorch.com slash govip. March 23. It's a good time to go VIP.